0: about using video games to engage workers and build organizational culture in a remote work environment. Scott Novis, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me here, John. I'm really excited about it.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the, from Arizona, from the Phoenix area I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about a really fun topic, one that I'm not super familiar with, this idea of using video games to help engage workers, to build organizational culture, uh, particularly within a remote work environment. Uh, I, I think it's a really fascinating idea. It's not one that I really ever Done or tried. So I'm excited to pick your mind and pick your brain and, and, and get some insights about how we can do that. Uh, you know, right now we're amidst, you know, really two years into the pandemic, more and more organizations have moved remote or at least hybrid uh, yes. to, to where many employees are working at least a substantial amount of their time remotely. And that brings with it a lot of flexibility and autonomy and a lot of pluses but it also has challenges and one of the biggest challenges people have cited is just how do you deal with cultural issues how do you deal with team building and uh, engaging the remote worker And this sounds like a really interesting approach to try to tackle that problem. So as we get started, I wanted to share Scott's bio with everybody. Since Scott Novus started working Game Truck in 2005, he always felt video games could be a great way to create and enhance friendships. After entertaining more than 10 million kids with help from franchise owners, he saw how impactful a game coach is for young players. That's why he started Bravas esports, and you can tell us all about that. If you wouldn't mind just giving us a little bit more background into your personal history as well as um, your company, uh, and then we can launch on into the topic for today.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, My one-minute resume. I have two engineering degrees. Uh, I'm named on 11 patents. I was a former vice president for the Walt Disney Company. I started their Nintendo Center of Excellence. I left Disney to start Game Truck, and um, really, Uh, it doesn't really matter what the company is. It was just a big idea that um, I'm fascinated with what we can do with interactive technology to help people play together. And what I'm really, the reason I'm on your show right now is just what you said, like I had no idea. And it's amazing to me that culturally we've moved into a space where the only acceptable relationship uh, people are supposed to have at work is competitive. What? <laughs> like you know, humans have broad ranges of relationships, and play is one of them. Kids get it naturally. Somewhere along the way, we train ourselves out of it, and I think we lose a lot. Um, and so, I'm an advocate for using this incredible technology. It's a 280 billion dollar year industry. Why don't we use that to make our lives easier and um, glean some of the lessons we picked up from you know the game industry that's been making friends online for 20 years?
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And so play, of course, is a huge piece of the lived experience of many individuals, uh, just in their personal lives. And so this idea of well, let's just tie that into how we do the work that we do and engage with each other and learn, learn how to have fun with our work, learn how to collaborate more with our work. Um, I totally agree with you, this, this idea that we can only have hyper competitive workspace, and kind of just be at each other's throats on trying to figure out how to get ahead. Um, There's a time and a place for competition and healthy competition, but I I think the modern world of work, especially in the knowledge economy, requires collaboration and it requires creativity. And this seems like a a really great way to get to that. Now, I was going to ask you, uh, we'll we'll get into like how this actually works here in just a minute, but I was going to ask you, if you see this being effective across the board or if there's particular demographics that it seems to work better with, I have to admit, I've never been a gamer. Um, You know, my growing up, my family um, just didn't really have gaming systems. I was, I was late into my high school years before we got like the first original Nintendo, which was like 10 years after everyone else got the original Nintendo. (laughs) And I just never, I just never really played. I've not one time have I, gotten online to do a a game, you know, with someone else in a different place. Um, I occasionally will hop on with my kids, you know, to play a racing game or something like that. that, That's about the extent of it for me. And I'm probably the anomaly because I think most people my age game a lot, (laughs) or at least that's what I hear. Um, But how how would, does this apply to people like me?
1: So what you said was super interesting. I am not a gamer. As if there's an identity of being a gamer, and what I'm really advocating is not about. In fact, that's actually the issue: is identity. Is uh, Eric Horowitz wrote a book called "What You Do Is Who You Are." Okay, sounds you know, fairly reasonable. Who are you when you don't know what to do and you're not sure if you can do it? Welcome to COVID. Everybody go work from home. What? I don't do that. I'm not a work from. Oh, I am now. Oh, okay. Um, So we've been forced to change our behaviors by circumstance. And it's actually poked us in the self-doubt because we're most people in Western culture are raised with this idea that I will be accepted when I prove my worth. That's where all this competitiveness comes from. And it's really misguided because I have kids, I accept them for who they are. And this whole, the, the problem we have is You know, Brene Brown has been running around convincing the world we gotta be vulnerable. And vulnerable is the gateway to creativity, more cognitive work. When you feel safe, you can turn on that big thing at the front of your head, that prefrontal cortex. That's what separates us from all the other animals. But if I scare you enough, your brain will shut that off to serve resources. I mean, that thing sucks up 20% of the body's energy. It is expensive to operate. But if I can scare you, get you into fight or flight mode, threaten you, that thing shuts down, you literally lose your mind when you need it most, and you'll go into reactive, emotional, defensive behaviors, which are not great for creativity, cognitive work, any of the stuff we need to do in the environment we work in. So how do we get out of that mode? We have to create a safety net for each other. Human beings have like, we're the only animal with whites of the eyes. We literally bred our dogs and cats to have more expressive eyebrows because eye movement and tracking what the other person is doing is so important to us. Like we literally like I hold her up for you and you hold it for me. And we support each other when we start breaking those connections or they change radically because we're now not in person. We're now online. All of a sudden, like, where are we, who we are, what that identity is starts to get all fuzzy and it's stressful And that stress triggers what Google called in their project, Aristotle, impression management. All of a sudden, I got to get defensive. I'm going to pull back. I don't want to be making mistakes. Like the risk reward gets all out of whack. It's too risky to do anything. How do we bring that back? Man, one of the biggest hacks in the world is play. It's why we play. Play is safe to fail. Play is an environment where we can develop We get authenticity and vulnerability for free when we play. You can't fake being in a game. So I don't need you to be a gamer. I just need you to be a human being. And I think you do that really well. So if you're willing to be a human being that interacts with other human beings, I've got something you can do. That's super fun. We're just doing it on a technology stack that was developed by the game industry. And The the games that I'm an advocate for are cooperative games. Most people don't even know they exist. We talk about games and they go, oh, you mean like Fortnite or Madden or something crazy competitive? I'm like, well, what about a cooperative game? What about a cooking game? And we, in fact, we just developed a, uh, it's called instant gaming. We're using the latest Unity video game engine, which none of your listeners could care less about. But what it does is it's a game that you can play in your browser on any computer instantly get into a room with your friends and cook some food something everybody relates to the controls are stupid simple it's like move around pick something up and chop really easy and there's other games like that you could do on other platforms i just wanted something you didn't have to download in the stall and create an account and it's just like just play just get together and play that's not what makes it hard what makes it hard is you're gonna have to work together that's the challenge. That's the place where I want people to play. I want people to have simulate in really small bursts um, what it's like when you have lots of good choices. There's no one right way to do this. Work it out. And unstructured, unplanned conversations that are synchronized are the backbone of friendship and connection. That's how we go from connection to relationship. When we carve out new memories together, we have new shared experiences that we can tap into. What's happened with remote work and hybrid work is it's become almost purely transactional. What's wrong with that? John, how much time do you spend talking to somebody at a drive-thru? Not much. That's a transactional relationship. (laughs) Now we've got it to doordash. They won't even talk to you. They run up, drop the food at your door and run away. I've seen them sprint away from my house as if, oh God, don't see, talk to the people. Like What's going on? We replace transactional relationships with apps. I don't know how to replace my company with an app. We need people to communicate and work together and solve hard problems and get through difficult decisions. Like I was super blessed. I got to work with Pixar on the Cars video game. And one of the things that was amazing about that culture, they all argue with each other. It's never personal, but they're all committed to get to the best possible answer and do it passionately and vulnerably and creatively. Man, you know what they get for that? They love what they do. They love who they work with, and their customers cherish what they produce. Who's got too much of that going on in their company right now?
0: Yeah, yeah. All of that sounds great. So what I'm hearing is, well, a couple of the reasons why I, you know, don't consider myself quote unquote a gamer. Um, I just don't play a lot of video games um right one I, you know things like first person shooter type games have zero appeal to me at all mm-hmm. um I also just since I didn't grow up on it I you know I just can't do the controls so my kids will want to play like I'll do a racing game with them because that's easy yeah uh the controls but then they'll play another game like uh I'm trying to remember what some of the games are like oh, on yeah. Nintendo Switch but like the controls are crazy complicated and yeah, I can't figure it out so rough, I'm just pressing like all the buttons you know, as fast as I can. And that's not fun for me. And, and so what, what I'm hearing you say is that that's not what you're talking about at all. You take that away, you make it simple. You're, you're taking away the, the purely competitive gaming and you're making it more collaborative and the types of, you, you can share more specific examples here in just a minute, but what I'm hearing, you know, I'm in the training and development space. And so when I'm in person doing workshops with, with people, you know, we'll do simulations. We'll, we'll do um, activities together that are just collaborative activities that give them a chance to interact with each other, get to know each other, um, get comfortable with each other, be creative together. And it sounds like yes. what you're describing is something similar to that, that kind of gaming and doing it in a virtual space. Is that accurate?
1: Exactly right. I, I do, run, I run a workshop Um, I did called Culture Kitchen and I did one uh, last weekend with 75 officers in the Air National Guard and national, the Army National Guard. And you know these are people that are like their team work for a living and diving into this kind of interactive team-based play. Um, they said it was one of the best trainings I've ever had. And because what the video game technology, when it's used correctly, um, look, it's inclusive. Um, your mom or dad could get into this game it's that simple Um, but the nature of the experience lets us practice working together and creating those connections and so you know just like there's lots of different genres of movies there are lots of different genres of video games and so I'm an advocate for the cooperative game tools up is a great game overcooked 2 Uh, is a commercially available game that's in sort of that cooking space. Moving out uh, is another game. And the idea is to insert fun and challenge. And when you're connecting people, um, the, the reason I ended up developing a game was literally to lower the barrier for businesses so that if you can be on a Zoom call, you can play. And to cover the hybrid problem, so if somebody's in the office, but somebody's working from home, if you can zoom in together, you can play together. Versus a lot of the other games we normally do, um, Game Truck, we bring out video game equipment. And we do that all the time. Like, it's very popular right now. More and more people are calling our owners going, we're actually having trouble getting back in the office. <laughs> we're all a little freaked out. Can we do something fun together? And when you set up a really fun, you know, game, opportunity for people to play it's inclusive um because these are games anybody can play the controls are not exactly what you're frustrated with ah it's like no the controls are not what makes it challenging working with your friends is what's challenging talking to each other is challenging listening is even harder right and this gives us opportunities in five minute sprints to practice those things and that's um just it's an awesome tool and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to let people know about it, because it's like, they don't know. They're exactly what you said. They see game and they think, I'm not a gamer, and they just switch off. And it's like, whoa, 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 you're missing a really important platform and tool that's available to you. That's very different than what you think it is.
0: We look forward to having you join us yeah well that's that's very cool and I'm a big believer in team building exercises, um, icebreakers getting to know you types of experiences, especially when you have a new team coming together going through the normal stages of team development you have to have an opportunity for them to just become comfortable with each other and get to know each other so they can be vulnerable, they can develop trust with each other, they can start to learn that they can count on each other. All of that doesn't just happen naturally. Like you, it, it will happen over time. If you're lucky, you'll develop all those types of components to a meaningful workplace relationship in your team. But more often than not, it's gonna happen organically in a more negative fashion. Um, you're not gonna have the firm foundation of trust and understanding right. and good communication. And so doing these types of things, especially early on uh, when you're onboarding new team members or you know, you're know you forming a new project team or whatever, to give them a chance to, to grow in their comfort with each other, I think that's tremendous. Uh, I'm a big believer in doing that in person. So it makes perfect sense that you would find ways to do that in a more virtual setting. And we, we alluded to this idea around organizational culture, and engaging employees, maybe we can talk a little bit more specifically to that. What have you seen in terms of the outcomes of, of your product in terms of employee engagement, satisfaction, positive organizational culture, psychological safety, you know, those types of things right. that, you, that we're shooting for in the workplace?
1: Well, one of the things that, that we've seen is um, certainly uh greater more intentional interaction outside the problems and like the biggest thing that i want to achieve with this is what i call nerfing the bozo bit uh it's an expression i heard from microsoft and it comes down to we know why we at least we think we know why we do what we do but when we see somebody else we might not necessarily understand the story that's going on in their head or how they feel about it we just see an action so some event happens and then what they do and our default setting in too many situations is to go, well, that makes no sense Bing, they're a bozo. That person's an idiot. That makes no sense. And that is the path to toxic culture. And when you go through an exercise like this and you struggle together and you learn together and you discuss together and you begin to use the tools of like I believe everybody wants to be seen, heard, known, and accepted. Remember that thing about acceptance? It's a big deal. And if we can't perform, it really stresses us. So if we can create a safer environment where it's like, no, 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 we're learning, we're figuring this out. And that's one of the reasons I love games, because I can tune the knob of uncertainty and urgency. I'll let you get really good, and then I'm going to move you to another level and change like two things and watch your whole team fall apart. Like, what the heck? Like, this is life. We live in a world where things change constantly. It's not how good we get at one thing. It's how good we get at adapting to the changes we experience. And that's a skill. And when people develop that skill, now, instead of flipping the bows a bit, they're way more inclined to go, whoa, whoa, what's happening for you? Tell me about it. I want to understand. And if I do that for you, you'll do it for me. And that now becomes a culture where we can learn together." You know what Einstein said? If you haven't made any mistakes, you're not doing anything new. So if you don't have a culture that allows you to embrace trying new things and working at the edge of your ability, you'll get dragged there with full resistance and it'll be expensive and painful. I've lived it and it's not fun. It is way more fun to work with a team that's like, can we do this? I don't know. Treat it like an experiment. Let's find out. Let's go. We always learn. I mean, our mantra is, you know, win or learn. There's no lose. But I've also been in environments where it was very, very, you know, nobody can make a mistake. Everything's got to be perfect. And they're so rigid. They're fragile.
0: That's a really good way of putting it. The rigidity, uh, the uh, yeah. Rigidity towards uh, being fragile And certainty around what or perceived certainty around what you're doing that limits your ability to think creatively, right? Um, Certainty, rigidity, however you term it, I think we all need to foster more intellectual and creative humility around the complex problems that we face. And when we don't do that, we're so vulnerable (laughs) to to the competition. We're so vulnerable to other people, uh, other teams that are going to come up with the creative solutions
1: yeah I, and and that's that's probably the biggest uh, opportunity I see. The companies that are really leaning into the remote and hybrid work. In other words, respecting workers, Like what's the best environment for you to be productive? We'll support that. Like I come out of the video game industry. So one of the games that you know you talked about of Smash, there are six styles of characters you can play and win in that game. Six. So we talk about best practices. The developers of that game endorsed six best practices. Pick the one that works for you. That's crazy. Most companies that like blows their mind, but we're beginning to understand that if we're in a knowledge economy, giving people the best environment for them to be productive, if you can master that, you're going to dominate and accelerate away from your competition because everybody in the world can work for you. You can have the best. We're doing it now. My team is now distributed across the country. I have people in Vermont, I have, I'm have i in Arizona, I got people in California. I mean, they're all over the place now and we have the best team we've ever had, but we're also very intentional about our culture and how we interact and how we work with each other. There's something we had to develop. It came out of, I mean, I thought I knew what I was doing and I had to one of my best employees resigned a year and a half ago. We're like, what? And it was, we become so efficient at meetings and so transactional it became super impersonal. He's I mean, it's like, none of this has anything to do with me. And we pulled the leadership together and um, my partners. And we're like, this is not the kind of company that we meant to found. It's not what we do. We got to fix this. And so we started diving into um, how can we play together more? How can we get to know each other more? Like intentionally, how can we connect? And um, that led to, we got to help other people with this. Even if we don't do it, You can do this yourself. There's a lot of great games out there. Not as many as I'd like. You know, Hacks is a pretty fun game. Um, I know uh, Codenames is huge in a lot of offices. Those are fairly simple ones. I'm a big fan of like, take it to the next level. Get that level where everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to participate. And you're cooperating and collaborating together. That's my passion. When you see people do that, I tell you, man, it's really cool to see a room full of, because you think of the National Guard, they're all professionals in their personal lives, right? So very disciplined and professional. To hear a room full of people like that just laugh like kids is the coolest thing ever. Like, you know, you've reached a genuine human being when they just can't help themselves, but laugh or giggle or whatever because of what they're doing. And it's like, yeah, it's good to be alive. And like, bring that into your office. Yeah, That's the kind of stuff that, gets people feeling good about who they work with and gives them it develops three things relatedness it's easier for us to relate to other people it improves our regulation of our emotion we tend not to be as reactive when we've got that energy and the last one is resiliency you know we can take things shifting out from underneath us and go okay i can handle it i can i can dance we can be balanced so that's why you know play i was going to ask you the biggest challenge I see is not the bosses. I think the bosses get it. I know the owners get it. The employees feel guilty. How do you get them to take time off to do a workshop? It's the biggest thing I hear. People go my team doesn't want to do it. They just think it's one more stupid thing. And they're already overloaded with work. They're already overwhelmed. They're stressed out of their gourds. It's like, no, yeah. I want to help you heal. I want to give you, and they're just like, no, nah, I can't. Like, how do you overcome that barrier? Like, that's the new challenge I see is the tools work. The science is pretty solid and the experiences are great. But how do you convince people to take a minute and sharpen the saw?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a, it's a symptom of a larger cultural problem when when teams or individuals feel like they can't take that time. Um, they may feel guilty about it. They may feel like they're being watched by upper management. And if they take that time that they're not, um, you know, somehow not staying true to the work they're supposed to do, or it just could be, be that they feel overloaded. And if if you're in a workplace environment where you just feel like the screws are put to, put to you constantly to produce, 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 and now you're being told, I have all my same normal load. I'm working long hours into the night, weekends, and now you want me to take however many hours to go do this thing. And I get why people would be resistant to that, especially if they're trying to juggle family and all these different things. They're thinking, you know, I, I just want to go home at night and spend time with my wife and kids. I don't want, you know, I don't need to play this game. I can understand why people would say that. Um, so we need to create the space for people to engage in those types of types of activities. We need to purposely, as leaders, create an environment where people are expect, like, it's part of the expectation that you're going to sharpen the saw. You're going to engage in activities with each other to build team Uh, camaraderie and inclusion and all those sorts of things, and that people recognize uh, that it's okay to to let a few things go for a little bit, and that they're not going to be dinged for it. Um, And organizations say that all the time. They say, no, 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 we really want you to do this. It's fine. Um, But then you know, your, your performance review comes up and they're like, why, why were you late on this assignment? And well, I had to go to this full day workshop (laughs) that you made me go to, (laughs) you know, so those types of dynamics, uh, you know, that's part of what we need to be tackling as we're thinking through these things.
1: Right. I've had the most success convincing people take a lunch. People should be allowed to take lunch. And you know, what we recommend is you you can get DoorDash coupons or Uber and I'm not, I have no stock and I don't care. Right. Get, buy them a meal so everybody's got some kind of food and just take a lunch and get on a call and play um the other thing that we've seen if they want to do a structured workshop where there's actually there's some value we've seen value in guiding people like they it's hard to connect the dots it's easier for me because i made games i know what the experience is and i can help bring to the surface some of the invisible dynamics so it's more intentional And so workshops, um, I've seen people do quarterly, especially for distributed teams. Like next week, I've got one with a really uh, innovative company, Red Hammer, that does outsourced accounting and a huge chunk of the teams in the Philippines. So now you've got everybody's virtual and the whole different culture, time zone, everything else. And they do a quarterly call and um, they pick this program because they want to improve the quality of their team communication and teamwork. And You know, that's one way that they were able to do it. And also everybody knows all the senior people and the founders are going to be on that call. So that's another way that I've seen people be successful is just tackle it up front going, we're going to do this in a reasonable amount of time and we're going to do it in a way that doesn't interfere. Um, It's already slotted and it's supported and you'll be visible. Um, People will see your participation and that's important to them. So those are the things I've seen work um where it's already either mandatory or feels mandatory and then a sort of a surprise like hey we're doing something interesting today um and we're going to work on culture um but i was just curious if you had any tips or tricks because it's no
0: you know, i i think it's everything thing. you yeah everything you said is right and just the why behind it like don't be afraid to explain why you're doing this why it matters to you and why this is a priority um if you can share that why be open about it transparent about it That can go a long way um, in helping get people on your team on board to engage in these types of activities. Well, Scott, this has just been a fascinating conversation. I've learned a lot. (laughs) Uh, It's been a lot of fun. Before we wrap up, I need to let you go. I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you and find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. Um, The best way to get a hold of me, you can email me at hello at scottnovus.com. That's my First name and last name together, dot com. hello at scottnovus.com, or go to my website, scottnovus.com slash play. Um, if you just go to my website, you'll find information on uh, the, our workshops, and uh, I blog and write articles on leadership and entrepreneurship and starting companies and all that fun stuff, and video games as well. But yeah, if you want to know more about what you can do with this, if you just scottnovus.com slash play, uh, you'll find information and how to get a hold of me. And I'd love to help you um, figure out how to bring more authentic, real connection to your teams.
0: I love it. Thank you, Scott. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Scott and his team can do for you. Let's have more play in the workplace. I think that's a great idea. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer than indigo leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations Magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think.